is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday because today is Sarah Lang's birthday. Joining me for the festivities today are Taylor Schwenk, working from the Schwenk studio. Sarah Abbott is working from uh, ESPN in Bristol. I'm Buster only working from Montana. Uh, guys, it'll be fun having Sarah on today because we know what a big deal birthdays are for her, Sarah. I think there should be a nationwide petition to have this day be marked as Sarah Lang's day. And I don't know who we need to talk to about that, but that needs to happen. Yeah, Taylor? She's so funny because on her her Instagram, on her like private you know she's got she's got the 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 main account and then she's got the friends and family the friends and family one so she's letting everyone know she's had a countdown all weekend long on her stories it is you know i I, we really i didn't see that she's got a birthday (laughs) countdown that's so cool i was like oh wow she's really making sure everyone knows it's her birthday but we're excited to have her on should be a treat all right, sarah got an early birthday present it feels like the baseball gods delivered through rainouts Day baseball on a Monday in May. The Braves, the Mets in City Field. Game one was crazy with these two teams going back and forth. Sean Murphy had already hit a home run when he came to the plate in the top of the seventh inning. A one to Murphy, and he smokes one. Deep center field, back to the wall, and that's out of the ballpark. A violent swing from Sean Murphy, and a three-run home run in a time where the Braves needed it the most. That from 680, the fan, the Braves barely hung on. They win 9-8 in game one. In game two, after the Braves had come back from 2-0 at a Rosario at a three-run double, Francisco Alvarez did this. And he lines that one down the left field line. That's going to be in the corner. Around third and scoring is Vogelback. Ken is going to try to score. There will be no relay throw. The Mets go back in front. Francisco Alvarez with a two-run double, and it's 4-3 to three New York in the sixth. Big hit for Alvarez, his first double of the season, and he puts the Mets back in front. Man, Alvarez looks good, especially his defense. It was way he's using his hand right now, his glove hand, pretty impressive. Uh, the Mets win the game 5-3, to three, so they split the doubleheader. Maybe the most newsworthy note of the day came in the second game when Ronald Acuna Jr. was hit by a pitch in the left shoulder. He had to come out of the game. He had an x-ray. They say that there are no fractures, and fingers crossed he'll be back in the lineup really quickly. During Sunday Night Baseball, Phillies manager Rob Thompson outlined what was ahead for Bryce Harper on Monday. Yeah, so he'll see the doctor tomorrow. we got to get him cleared to – to head for a slide. He can feet for a slide, but you know Harp, he's, uh, he's a gamer. He's not going to slide feet first. He's going to slide head first. So we got to make sure that's okay. Once we get that, then, then he's okay to DH. And guess what? On Monday, Bryce Harper is expected met with Dr. Neil Elitrash, who did his elbow surgery last fall, uh, and he was cleared by the Phillies. Tonight, he's expected to be activated and in the lineup against the Dodgers. 160 days, just 160 days after his his Tommy John surgery. Harper spoke with Phillies reporters on Monday. I looked at this series in the offseason and kind of, you know, put my head to where I needed to be. Um, Understanding, okay, like I need to take it one day at a time. Understanding that we could have setbacks, we need to feel great. Um, But I wanted to put myself the earliest I could in my mind to understand I need to work towards something uh, to get out there. So it could have been the middle of April, could have been the end of May, or the early May, could have been the end of May, but I wanted to put my mind on something and, and really take advantage of that. Um, and like I said, you know, Matt, like, I really wanted to put my body um, through it. You know, if it was going to feel good that day, I wanted to push it. If I was going to feel bad that day, I wanted to back that off a little bit. The Phillies got slammed by the Dodgers on Monday night, 13-4. David Peralta had a hand in that. Won their second straight game without hitting a home run yesterday. That's golf to right. Down the line. Hooking to the corner. It is gone. Three-run raindrop-bringing homer from David Peralta. No home runs the last two games. Two home runs the first two innings tonight. That was Joe Davis on the Dodgers television network. Well, Harper's coming off the injured list at about the same time that other big names are going on the injured list. Jacob DeGrom came out of his start for the Rangers on Friday night. 
He went on the injured list after having some elbow inflammation. And the Yankees' Aaron Judge went on the injured list because of a hip issue that developed during a slide last week, it seemed. So that wasn't the only bad news on this day for the Yankees. They were facing the Guardians. Their lineup depleted. They had a 2-0 lead in the top of the ninth inning because Domingo Herman was outstanding, carrying a shutout into the ninth inning. Give a listen at what it sounded like when Aaron Boone made a pitching change. 80 pitches for Herman, dominating and economical. Swing and a miss. Zunino down on strikes. Another curveball, but set up by other pitches. And again, a good curveball. He is seeking his first career complete game. He's thrown 82 pitches, 60 strikes through eight innings. Uh, straw down on strikes, one away here in the ninth. And that is going to do it. And the crowd of over 33,000 groans. Well, they can groan now, but they better get him to standing O going out because he was phenomenal tonight. Well, the groans for Boone. The cheers will be for Hamad. Exactly. That, of course, was Paul O'Neill, Michael Kay on the Yes Network. Well, that foreshadowing came to light after Josh Naylor's plate appearance. Give a listen to the crowd after Naylor's plate appearance. The pitch. Swung on a chopper in the hole. Into right field. Base hit. Quan scores. Rosario coming home. Cabrera throw to the plate. Slides to scores. Ball gets away. Picked up near the Guardians dugout by the pitcher Holmes. We've got a tie game. Naylor ends up at second. Ramirez is at third. That, of course, was the voice of Tom Hamilton at WTAM 1100 yelling over the angry Yankee Stadium crowd. That Guardians rally continued. Again, the left-hander's ready. He lets it rip. Ball four inside. Guardians take the lead. A bases-loaded walk from Peralta to Zanino. And Cleveland has a 3-2 lead in the ninth. And that would be the final score. Aaron Boone, after the game, talked about pulling Armand. Just thought it was the right decision to do that there. Um, obviously, it didn't work, you know, so ultimately that, that falls on me. Domingo was great, but I wasn't going to, you know, let him go back around there with, with the tying runs coming to the plate, especially, you know, with the Rosario matchup right there. I mean, Carb, that's set up well for. Uh, you know, Clay, we don't make a play there and, and then set up the inning. And he talked about putting Aaron Judge on the injured list. A lot of conversation. Um, you know, Aaron, you know, really, you know, didn't want to. Um, but just a lot of conversation that he was very much a part of. Um, I just felt like, you know, we we're probably going to get to a situation where we, we might have been in play on the weekend and I didn't want this to turn into, you know, it's one thing as, you know, I've, I told him if you're dealing with pain or, you know, you get hit in the elbow or you get hit somewhere where it's just a pain tolerance thing. I didn't want this to turn into something that he's playing at 80%, 85% and he compromises himself and it turns into something serious. Hot Ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats Rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. And the hot ticket last night was in Petco Park where Padres fan, uh, fans hailed uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. in his first game back in his home ballpark since he came back from his PD suspension. Uh, it, when he took the field, there was a big cr- a cheer from the crowd. He was saluting them. And this is what he did in his first plate appearance. Here's a one hopper picked by Barrero. His throw will be late. Infield hit for Fernando. We've seen it before, and it's no exception right here. Ball hit on the ground. He is out of the box, and that puts pressure on the defense. We've seen that all along. He is going to go 100% all the time. And the Padres won that game 8-3. to three. We've got the Padres playing host to the Dodgers this weekend on Sunday Night Baseball, and uh, it'll be interesting to see Fernando Tatis Jr. and that energy that he's generating in the ballpark. What did Bob Melvin, their manager, call it? Like a hurricane coming out of the box. The ones who get it done is brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Well, you know who got it done? 
Alex Verdugo for the Red Sox in Fenway Park. And what was a really important game for Boston because they're playing the Blue Jays who've beaten them repeatedly in recent years. It was five all. Bottom of the ninth inning, this is what happened. The 1-1. Swing, there's a drive, hammer to right center field, deep toward the bullpen, and back he goes. It's ball is gone. A walk-off home run for Alex Verdugo. Can you believe it? Verdugo with his third walk-off in this season. Joe Castiglione, WEI 93.7 FM, and that was the laugh, I'm pretty sure, of Lou Merloni uh, as well. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, Sarah and I recorded an episode of SV Pod last night. Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve. They started off uh, things talking about the Met Gala, then the Bruins' uh, historic season coming to an end. Scott texting a notable Knicks fan while that person was courtside. Steph Curry's 50-point outing against Sacramento. Uh, they talk a little NFL draft. Steve is in the market for an NFL team. Loaded episode. Check it out. SV Pod, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash buster just go to indeed.com slash buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash buster terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed you can now stream the most mlb games on direct tv without a satellite dish yes the clutch hits the strikeouts grand salamis web gems with nothing on your roof So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing today on your birthday? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Buster. Yeah, we're excited to, to have you on our birthday. We, we moved around our podcast uh, schedule this week. And then you pop up on Zoom, and Taylor immediately starts to wish you happy birthday. I'm like, no, you can't do that, Taylor. Like, you, you got to save it for the pun. Yes, Taylor? Uh, poor producing on my part. Sarah, but take take the reins. I'm going uh, to go take a lap here. <laughs> rookie move, Taylor. Rookie move. But happy birthday. Yes. Awesome, Thank you, Sarah. guys. Thank you. Thank so you. So tell me, so first much. off, why are birthdays for you? Uh, today's your 30th birthday. Uh, why are birthdays for you have always been important, do you think? You know, I've been trying to figure out where it started, why they've always been so important. And I don't really know the genesis of it, but I know that by middle school, high school, I was always bothering my friends up to the month before counting down i've just always loved the day and it's not about uh you know presents or things like that but it's just about you know appreciating people and i always say like i love my birthday but i always try to remember everyone's birthday is everyone i know and i really think everyone's birthdays are really important so 
I really think for me, it just goes to the idea of showing appreciation to people. All right. So how are you spending or explain? I already know how you're spending your birthday, but just explain what you're doing on your birthday. Oh, my goodness. So the baseball schedule makers apparently had me in mind when they put together the schedule for this year. The Cleveland Guardians are in town in New York. So I get to go and see Mandy Bell sit with her in the press box on my birthday as everyone knows she's one of my absolute best friends and i don't get to see her that often because she's on the road covering the guardians the whole year and so the odds that she happened to have this series on this day that she's here sometimes they're filling in new york so she doesn't make this trip it's just it all came together and i remember realizing that and just being so so excited initially just that she would be in town and i was like you know what we're gonna come i'm gonna go send the press box with you and i just can't wait so who was it that realized it first you or her uh that's a really good question i think it was me i was going through and just looking on our schedule at which road trip she was on and looking for New York. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a minute, that's birthday week. That's amazing. That's really cool. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is three. So last night, uh, Alex Verdugo had a walk-off home run for the Red Sox. You know, we only had a few games yesterday, but a ton happened. So as you'll see, Alex Verdugo, walk-off home run. That this is third walk-off hit already this season, and the Red Sox have only played 30 games. That is tied for the most walk-off hits by any team, uh, by any player in his team's first 30 games of the season since 1920 with Andrew Jones in 1999 and Bobby Bonds in 1973. And if we expand it to walk-off RBI, so a walk-off sack fly or a walk-off walk, something like that. One other player joins the list, Joe Crady in 2004. Number two. Number two is 440. So really hope Ronald Acuna Jr. is okay. After that hit by pitch in the yeah. second game of the doubleheader yesterday at City Field, which is, by the way, I spent the final day of my 20s was at two baseball games on a Monday. Uh, but in the first game, Acuna hit a monster home run, 114.5 miles an hour off the bat, 448 feet, third deck type of home run where I, even sitting in the stand, had to get out my phone and do some research. So Acuna has hit 25 home runs of at least 440 feet in his career, including the playoffs. That is the most in baseball since the start of 2018. I talk about this and send this note to you guys and our entire crew on Sunday Baseball whenever we have to Braves. Everyone knows that Ronald Acuna Jr. is an elite power speed threat, but I don't think people realize just how far he hits these home runs. He's had a handful of really, really long home runs, but the fact that he has more 440-foot home runs in his career than guys who played a course field in that span, broke a tie with C.J. Crone, Trevor Story, and guys like Jim Carlson and Aaron Judge. And again, this is the guy who missed half a season after he tore his ACL two years ago. So Time out. Time out, Sarah. Okay. Time out on this. I just wanted, for the, for the record, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show that it was like the baseball gods gave you Monday afternoon baseball, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize you went to the game I was texting you questions with research questions related to Bryce Harper, and you didn't like text back, hey, Buster, you know what? I'm at the ball game. Leave me alone. I'm having some beers. I'm having a good time. You just answered the question. I didn't realize you were doing that from the ballpark. Hey, you know, phones are amazing these days. I'm not being facetious. Like, the amount of research I can do from my phone in the stands in the ballpark, I wasn't even in the press box yesterday. 
uh, is very, very, I mean, it's outstanding with the MLB tools that we have. Things like Baseball Swamp, they're doable on Safari on your phone. So, yeah, you know, I was there for a while. Give me something else to do in between innings. So I'm always here to help. I say that, and there you go. There you go. Taylor? Number one. Number one is 160. So this is one of those things we were texting about when I was, I believe, in the parking lot when I answered this one for you. So Bryce Harper, if he plays today, as it appears he has been cleared to do, that would be 160 days after Tommy John surgery. So there's an individual named John. I'm probably going to botch how you say his last name, but I believe Rogel or Rogley. He put together this amazing Tommy John surgery database. It's online. Anyone can find it. His Twitter handle is MLB Player Analysis, like analysis without the IS. And that database has existed online for a handful of years now. Goes back to the first Tommy John surgery, Tommy John. And it has so much information, including date of the surgery, because those are always reported, and the first game that that player played after. So if Bryce Harper plays today or any time in the next 11 days, that will be the quickest return at the MLB level from Tommy John surgery. From the date of surgery to playing again, the current longest until Harper plays is Tony Womack, who returned 182 days. And, of course, the entire top list is position players. Jay Buhner and Carl Crawford are next. We know position players can come back quickly, but even still, this is remarkable. And, I mean, just on a baseball level, so excited to see him back, so excited. For the Phillies, you could see the excitement with the what he posted on Instagram and the Phillies posting a picture of him with the little bell, like chiming, and of course, their logo. So really, really good. I hope he is fully good, but if a doctor said so, I believe him. Yeah, based on the list that you sent me yesterday, I uh, reached out to Carl Crawford and asked him about what it takes to come back from Tommy John surgery so quickly. He had some good insights, and I'm going to share those when we talk with Tim coming up in a second. Uh, I want to mention Carl Ravitch, our friend, tweeted out uh, last night a picture of a Langstar. Uh, name for you, Sarah, and, of course, the initials ALS. His tweet on June 2nd of this year, Luke Gehrig Day, we will all be able to light a star to help find a cure. Stay tuned for details. And so uh, we'll be watching that going forward. And, and Sarah, I thought, you know, it's not only – uh, you know, you, your friends, your family uh, who are, you know, celebrating your birthday today. We got this uh, Bleacher tweet from uh, one of our listeners, and he wrote in, happy birthday, slangs on sports. I appreciate your love of baseball every time you join the podcast and have such excitement in your voice on any topic. How many teams this year do you think are truly trying to win the World Series? I think that was Corey Rucker. Right, Taylor, who sent that in? That is uh, Andrew DeSalvo, actually. Oh, Andrew DeSalvo. Okay. Sarah, now how many teams do you think are at, you know, in a position potentially to win the World Series? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't have the standings in front of me, but I will uh, pull them up in a second. You know, I love that with the new uh, postseason format, the additional wild card, you know, you look at a team like the Pirates, you look at a team like the Diamondbacks who are in a spot that we didn't expect them to be in, and I don't expect either of them to win their division, but given how strong they've started, all of a sudden you think, hey, they could be that third wild card, so I mean, I actually want to pivot this question slightly to point out that the entire A-list is at 500 or better. I wrote a story for MLB.com about this uh, this morning, but 
the entire division has a 623 combined winning percentage, which will be the highest we've ever seen. And it's a product of the new schedule. Of course, you play more games outside your division. You get more chances to actually add to that record since every game in the division becomes 500 for the division overall. So I'm kind of, uh, you know, biding my time and counting teams as I say that, but the entire AL East is in a really good position. We have two teams in the Central. I would say there are a lot of teams right now that have been really exciting to watch. And I know the A's are what the A's are and the Royals haven't been great, of course. But I love seeing a team like the Pirates get off to this start, even if they finish in last. I just think having the month that they had is so exciting for the fan base and for everyone involved. Uh, Taylor, I cut you off before. Cut off your celebration uh, of Sarah. So I'm going to let you, the floor is yours to uh, to to uh, you know uh, tell Sarah about her birthday. Sarah, I, first of all, I love that you love your birthday because I also love birthdays. I feel like I don't know, like we're just we're so jaded here on planet Earth with the passing of time that like you really should celebrate another year of being alive and just, you know, being here and living every day. So, I mean, this is I, I love your joy for that. So happy birthday. Air horn. Thank you, Taylor. And I like that you said that because I feel like as you get older, at a certain point, you're supposed to not love your birthday anymore, right? Like, I remember turning 21 and some people being like, oh, you know, you're not going to be thrilled about this in five years and what have you. And maybe it's because I always look young. So I don't have the whole like looking like I'm aging quite the same way going on. But I think it's a huge accomplishment to make it to another year. And I will give a shout out to my mom as well. I know women especially are supposed to kind of avoid their age once they get to a certain age. I remember my mom turning, uh, you know, 50 and being so excited and glad to tell anyone. So that also set a really good birthday example for me. All right, Sarah. Well, have a great day. Thank you so much, Buster. And thank you, Sarah and Taylor. The NFL schedule drops this week. And you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. That's VividSeats.com. Dot com today, code baseball. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Seam heads rejoice. This is Timmy time. Baseball is the greatest game. With Tim Kirchner. It never disappoints you. On Baseball Tonight. And Tim Kirchner covers baseball for ESPN. And Tim, today, Sarah Langs' birthday. And what the, there could be no perfect birthday celebration for Sarah Langs than to go to a baseball game with her friend Mandy Bell. She'll be at Yankee Stadium later today. Uh, pretty cool, huh? Yeah, we've been over this, Buster. I'm not sure I've met anyone who loves baseball more than Sarah Langs, and I'm serious. And I'm I'm fascinated by where this comes from. And she told me, well, her grandmother got her interested. And I just love that, that a grandmother is getting a granddaughter interested in baseball. And, of course, her parents love the game also. And, of course, she went to the University of Chicago and in She's like brilliant, as we know. So I'm sure she was a straight A student. But when she wasn't in class, she was going to White Sox or Cubs games because in part she went to the University of Chicago because there were two major league teams there and she could see a National League and American League game 
any night. I've also said this, Buster. I'm not sure I've met anyone who has a better understanding of what a great note is and how to find it. And that's called a feel for the game buster, meaning she can look at a set of statistics. She can watch a play in a game and said, hey, it was an inside the park homer in a playoff game. When's the last time that happened? Okay. Guys like me think about that all the time. I'm very curious about things like that. But she can not only think about it like I do, she can find it faster than anyone I've ever seen. And all those skills are one reason why Sarah Langs is an enormous figure in baseball today, no matter what she does. Yeah. And I, you know, I've always, I mean, since she started working at ESPN, I always loved the idea that, uh, you know, I could take with her, you know, one of my stupid theories and I'd say, hey, you know, this is what I'm hearing from players or this is an impression I have uh, of something going on in the game. And I could throw that at her. And then she could, you know, take that at next level and say, okay, here's a number that will back that up. And we've had also had many conversations where she'll come back to me and she's like, no, the numbers, you know, don't really uh, show what you're talking about. And, and that goes away. You know, one of the, the my favorite examples is I, you know, was watching and had conversations with catchers and with a couple of pitchers about the strike zone. And, you know, I just mentioned to her that, hey, it feels like that there's a natural advantage for uh, for or disadvantage for left-handed hitters because catchers, uh, you know, catch the ball with their left hand. And as we went through it, because they can move easily and they can, you know, the umpire can be blocked out with a catcher, you know, with his uh, glove on, uh, you know, on his left hand. And sure enough, like 25 of the first 26 hitters who had the most errant strike calls made against them were left-handed, you know, they, it were left-handed hitters, which is exactly what we're talking about. Um, but she's so good at that. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, go ahead. So the other, the other day, Buster, we had a major league game, Red Sox and Orioles, where the two center fielders on the other on each team hit a grand slam. And that was the first time in major league history, over 200,000 games, that center fielders hit grand slams in the same game, which I found astonishing to believe. And I called Sarah and I was so happy to hear that she was equally surprised that that was the first time. But then she said, you know, if you think about it, though, how many games have there been two grand slams in one game? Not very many. How many times? Could a position player from the same position on each team hit those grand slams? So it took me speaking to Sarah before I found it more believable that this had happened, which it indeed did. It was indeed the first time, but she gave me something mathematically to think about. And, and that's what she can do as well as anyone I've ever met. All right. The big news in baseball came out yesterday. Bryce Harper, as expected, was cleared by his doctor, Neil Alatras, to return to the Phillies lineup. He's expected to be the designated hitter tonight. Tim, 160 days after his Tommy John surgery. Yesterday, I talked with Carl Crawford, who was uh, had previously been one of the fastest guys coming back, 222 days. And it really comes down to, listen to your doctors, Tim. You know, I saw Bryce during spring training in mid-March, and I mentioned to him that I've heard so many stories about players pushing their Tommy John rehabs and wind up having setbacks along the way. And Bryce said, nope, every day, just showing up. The doctors tell me what to do. I do exactly what the doctors tell me to do. And we move forward. Carl Crawford told me that's exactly what he did in coming back. Just whatever uh, you know, regimen they would give him on a daily basis, he would just follow their directive. That's a smart way to go, and the Phillies, Bryce Harper, are going to benefit from that. This is amazing, Buster. The first question I asked to the Phillies when I got to spring training was, when are we going to see Bryce Harper? And without hesitation, I was told, all-star break. And then a month later, we were told, well, maybe the middle of June. How amazing would it be if he got back in the middle of June? That's what we were talking about a month ago. And now a month later, he's back. On May the 2nd, it's unbelievable. And it's a tribute to him, how strong he is, 
how regimented he is. Granted, he's coming back as a DH. He's not a pitcher. He's not going to play right field for a while. But this is stunning news, and it's great news for the Phillies. No matter what anyone tells you, he's the best player on that team. And even though Kyle Schwarber might be the leader of that team, that team often goes how Bryce Harper goes. And what a what a boost this is for the Phillies to get him back at least a month, if not two months, ahead of time. And look, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a guy who's going to come out right away and you know go back to being one of the best hitters in the game. I think it's a process. I know he's been doing simulated games. The Phillies done a great job flying in minor leaguers to throw live batting practice for him. Uh, he's been out on the field. He's been doing a ton of preparation. But as we saw last year when he came back from his elbow injury, it took him a while, Tim. Maybe because, you know, it, his swing – Unlike a Jordan Alvarez, his swing is not a simple thing. And I think it's going to take a while for him to get his timing back. What about you? Yeah, he has a complicated swing. He he has a complicated haircut also, but that's irrelevant. (laughs) The point is, he is going to take some time to come back because like anyone else, this is a really hard game to play. And even though your swing is, you know, so grooved like his is once he gets a feel for it, it's going to take him some time to figure this out. Nobody takes off this amount of time, even as short as it is, and comes back and starts to rake right away. But I have no doubt that he will figure this out. So my impressions after seeing the Phillies in Houston over the weekend uh, were this is a team that's about ready to take off. Uh, They are about ready to launch. You know, they have, they're kind of hanging in there in the middle of the pack, you know, staying relatively close to the Braves and the Mets. But, Tim, they've been getting tremendous production because of the progress of their young players, the Brandon Marsh, you know, Bryson Stotts, Alec Bohms of the world. And before Friday and Saturday night, when Aaron Nola and then Zach Wheeler threw well, the front two guys in their rotations really hadn't thrown that well. Now they're getting Bryce Harper back. It's inevitable that uh, Trey Turner's going to get on a hot roll and carry that team for a month. Kyle Schwarber really hasn't gotten hot. I feel like they're they're just starting to put it together no matter what happened in Dodger Stadium last night. What do you think? Yeah, no doubt. Look, the, the Nola Wheeler back-to-back great starts was the most encouraging thing for the Phillies. We knew that was coming, and here it is. And now you can see that those two can match up with the front two of any rotation in the game. Ranger Suarez is on his way back. Yeah. And, and that's really helpful. Now, Taiwan Walker had another rough start last night. That's not encouraging, but that's going to turn. That guy's a good major league pitcher. I mean, Schwarber's got seven homers this year, Buster, all with solo home runs. He had 31 homers last year. All uh, 31 homers last year were solo home runs out of the 46 that he hit. Hitting in the middle of the order, that's going to change. Turner's going to change. Harper's going to change the lineup. And you're right. Bohm is a different player than he was last year. Marsh's, you know, OPS is 400 points higher than it was last year at some points. So I really like the Phillies in spring training. They got off to a wretched start. They're they're going to put it back together, and I am not certain, but I'm pretty darn certain they're making the playoffs one way or another in a very difficult division. At the moment, I feel like that the two best teams in the National League are one, the Braves, and two, the Phillies. You co-signing or not? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if a month from now, a month from now when Harper is back and 100%, I would say that, yes, because I love that team at the end of last year. I love that camaraderie, the whole chemistry in the clubhouse, college baseballs. it reminded me of. And it sounds corny, but that, that's a together group, and the manager is really good at that, and Harper, Schwarber, the rest, really good at that. I, le- I really like this team moving forward. I'm not ready to put them two yet because I need to see Harper really swing it for a month. All right. Before the season started, in our predictions that are sure to go wrong, I picked the Astros to go back to the World Series, and I felt really good about them. But, boy, Tim, the events of the last 48 hours, suddenly the soft underbelly of where the Astros are was exposed with Jose Arquiti, you know, reaching for that spot under his right armpit. You know, he goes on the injured list with a shoulder issue. And then yesterday, Luis Garcia throws eight pitches, and he comes out with an elbow issue. Tim, and it's not like they have a bunch of people behind those guys, Tim, having already lost Justin Berlander from last year's championship team. Right. Uh, I am worried about the Astros. Now, I'm about to tell you they're not going to make the playoffs, but you're right. Two starting pitchers could be in trouble. No Verlander and – 
you know, Lance McCullers Jr. isn't back yet either. And you're right. After Hunter Brown, there is really nobody in their farm system who is ready at AAA or AA, ready to come to the big leagues and make a difference. And one reason they won last year, they had great starting pitching. Their bullpen was sensational, and it still is. And the other thing is, Buster, they're not swinging the bats. You saw that. I mean, they they were 0 for 17 with runners in scoring position going into your Sunday night game. And Jose Abreu, his power shortage is stunning. You know, his, his power was way down last year. And I think it's he's got one homer now in like his last 82 games. I mean, this is a big, strong man. They brought him in to drive in 120 runs and hit 30 homers. And right now, that doesn't look very good. I think they're going to hit when Brantley comes back, Altuve comes back. I think they're going to be a good team. But now that division has changed with the way the Rangers are playing. The Angels are better. The Mariners are going to put this together. And I think it's going to be a really difficult run for the Astros to win that division again when they won it so easily last year. Yeah, it feels wide open. Uh, and it was interesting yesterday after the, the news came down about Luis Garcia, I saw someone say, well, they're going to be in the market to trade for somebody. Tim, I started to prepare a story that uh, will come out later this month about the uh, forthcoming trade market and talking with executives about, okay, who who's going to be available? Who's going to be traded? What are you seeing in the marketplace? And one thing I'm hearing over and over and over again is there's no starting pitching. And part of that is because is those teams that are really bad, okay, that we know probably are going to be sellers, the Oakland Athletics, the Washington Nationals, et cetera, what I'm hearing from executives is who on those teams do you actually want to prop up your rotations? <laughs> and there might be some, you know, there might be a Kansas City Royals that has a talented guy like a Brady Singer. Is one executive said to me, they're not trading him because they need him. They're trying to turn the corner. And so – this assumption that the Astros will have this wide range of choice uh, from which to, to uh, pursue starting pitchers, that's not how a lot of executives see it. They actually, especially in an era where, let's face it, those guys who throw five or six innings, good starting pitchers, they're becoming like dinosaurs because the sport is not training pitchers right now to do that. Yeah, I'm with you. And you back to the A's, Buster, as you know, they don't have a win from a starting pitcher this year. It's May the 2nd. That's unbelievable. And you're right. I mean, Josiah Gray could help a lot of teams, but when the Nationals get good, he's going to be on their team. They're not going right. to trade him. They're not trading right. Mackenzie Gore. Those are the... That's the future of the team. And Patrick Corbin is not going to bring you anything because he struggled so badly here. So I'm with you. And yes, it's it's really hard to find a good starting pitcher at the trade deadline. Anyway, it might be more even harder this year, which again, puts the Astros in a tricky situation. So the last 72 hours, we had a situation that I think revealed an example of why Dusty Baker has done accomplished what he's accomplished as a manager. Here was Mauricio Dubon in the game last night against the San Francisco Giants. Give a listen. And there's a line drive, base hit. Astros will take a 3-2 lead. Mauricio Dubon with his second RBI of the night, head first safe. Have a night against your former team, Mauricio Dubon. Doobie. So Doobie last night, Tim. Three hits in that game. Uh, as Chandler Rome of The Athletic tweeted out, he's fired up. He said he knew he was going to have a big moment today and said it meant a lot to beat the Giants because – Quote, I wasn't treated the right way over there. We're not going to get into what it did or didn't happen with Dubon in San Francisco. But, Tim, when we met with Dusty Baker before the game on Sunday, he said, you know, he's starting to see Dubon, get, who got off to a great start, has had a tremendous season so far, hitting for an average nobody ever thought he could reach. He said, I'm starting to see signs. He's a little bit tired. I wanted to give him a day off. And I'm going to give him off today, Sunday, because the Giants are coming in town, and and I'm not going to take him out of the lineup for those games. He had a feel for the player, Tim. Well, again, Buster, <laughs> we talk about the feel for the game, and there are people who will tell you there is no such thing as a feel for the game. And that, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Baseball is all about a feel for the game. And that's what Dusty Baker has. That's what Tito Francona has. That's what Buck Showalter has. 
That's what Bobby Valentine used to have. He used to play a guy on his birthday all the time because he thought the guy's feeling pretty good about himself. I'm putting him in there today. This is where it's really important that Dusty Baker is able to see stuff like that. And Dubon ended up paying off. Yeah, it's hard to sit a guy down when he's played as well as he had. But but Dusty looks ahead and said, my guy's going to be so fired up for the Giants series. I'm going to rest him now, not then. Yeah, he wasn't thinking about matchups or where the swing plane is or anything like that. He just knew Dubon was dying to play against the Giants, you know, Mm -hmm. at, at the beginning of a season in which he's been so terrific. Uh, the New York Yankees yesterday put Aaron Judge on the injured list. Tim, they're in trouble. I, I don't think there's any way around that because with no Judge, no Stanton, other guys banged up, this team feels so thin in a really good division. Buster, look, I looked at their lineup on Sunday. No Judge, no Stanton, no Donaldson, and they had one guy hitting as high as 260 in that order. There are, I'm sorry, a four guys on that in that batting order who shouldn't even be playing every day or playing at all because of these injuries. And then you would say, well, their pitching is still really good. And I think eventually it will be when they get everyone back, but it's not right now. Their bullpen showed up last night, really had a difficult night. Um, I think you're right. I think they're in trouble. I have their game on the radio Saturday at Tampa and Look, look, they're not going to throw out the lineup anywhere close to the lineup that they're going to need if they're going to beat the Rays in the, in the for the in the standings, beat the Blue Jays, beat the Orioles, or maybe even beat the Red Sox. That's where the Yankees are now. Now the, we've seen the Yankees have terrible stretches before. Everyone gets healthy, and I think they're still a playoff team. But right now, there's no doubt they're in a lot of trouble. All right, this is what it sounded like in the Padres clubhouse after their victory last night. Give a listen, Tim. That's the Padres pinata party, Tim. Uh, First off, when you were growing up as a kid, did you ever uh, have a pinata at one of your birthdays? And two, uh, where would you rank the pinata party in terms of the celebrations we're seeing with teams these days? Um, I've seen that was a cool celebration. I'm in for any celebration anymore. I'm 66 and I don't care anymore. Let them let them celebrate. We need to show more emotion in the game. That's way one way to do it. Uh, pinata as a kid, never, I was way, never was way too short to even reach it. (laughs) We we did have a pinata for for my son, Jeffrey, when he was probably seven and none of the kids could break the pinata open. So I ended up. Did you guys make the pinata? Did you guys make it like as a paper mache pinata? You made it like concrete or something like that? No, I I can't make anything, all right? Well, I've been clear. These hands just don't work when it comes to fixing or making anything. So I think we bought it, and then no one could break it, and then Dad had to step in. I kept my hands inside the pinata, and I hit it really hard, and I broke it in half. So I was the hero of the day. But that's really my only experience with a pinata. I didn't have one as a kid. And the one is, uh, as an adult, uh, the kids couldn't break it. It was too too hard. Okay. This is a sign that I've been covering the game a long time. When I've seen the pinata party, which, again, I, I really, I think it's really cool. One of the first things I think of is, oh, man, the poor clubhouse guy who's got to come in after the afterward and, like, right. pick up everything. You know? Well, again, I, I've met a zillion clubhouse guys. There are the most underrated people on the team. What they – have to do is ridiculous what these players leave them with. Thank goodness we had Buddy Bell and George Brett and all these great tippers in the history of baseball who, when they leave after three games, they leave an enormous tip for these clubhouse guys who deserve every penny of it. Yeah, and if the Padres have a great year and they're breaking pinatas after every game and the clubhouse (laughs) guy has to come in and pick up everything, they deserve those big tips. All right, here is one of the great calls from Mike Shannon during the course of his career. Kerry Wood knocks down Albert Pujols when Pujols was a member of the Cardinals. Give a listen to Mike Shannon's call. Here's the next by 
good. It is up and in and back to the screen, and Albert Pujols is uh, knocked down. He doesn't even look at the uh, mound. He uh, darn near injured himself as he had to uh, avoid that pitch. He takes his helmet off, walks back into the batter's box, sets himself, and I wouldn't, would not love to see number 25 off of Albert's bat go into the street. The pitch. Swing and hello, 4th of July. Take a ride on that knockdown pitch, big boy. Terry Wood knocked him down, and now Albert looks at him as he goes around first. He gives him a glare. Say, take a little whiff of that, big boy. And now, Terry Wood takes a look at Albert as he touches them off. Give it to him, big boy. Give it to him. That's how you play baseball. That's when you're a professional like Albert is. You don't glare out there. You don't throw your bat. You don't charge the mound. You just take the next pitch and you hit it into the uh, seats. And my, I was Mike Shannon. And it was something about baseball. Uh, a two-time World Series winner as a player, longtime Cardinals broadcaster, passed away, Tim, on Saturday night. He was 83 years old. And man, what a what a great character! You know, David Cohn said uh, before our Sunday night baseball game uh, uh, when we were all together, he was like, "And that guy lived a great life." He he really did. And again, Buster, to repeat, I'm 66 years old, so the 1967 World Series was is still fresh in my mind. And Mike Shannon was the starting third baseman on a championship team for the Cardinals, and the third baseman the next year against the Tigers. So I watched him play an awful lot. Remember, he started as an outfielder. They needed him to move into third, and he did. And I'll never forget, Joe Torre once described uh, Mike Shannon as, well, he's the kind of guy who would catch trucks with his teeth, which just explains he wasn't afraid of anything or anybody. He's going to stand there, and you're going to have to hit him in the face before you're going to beat him. That's how tough a player Mike Shannon was. Finished seventh in the MVP voting one year, so he's a very good player. And I loved him as an announcer because of calls like that, Buster, where he recognized, I've been hit, I've been thrown at before, and there is no better, there is no better revenge than hitting the ball out of the ballpark. I love Mike Shannon. I had so many great chats with him. I learned so much about baseball from him. And I will miss him dearly. Tim, thanks for doing this. Thank you, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for a Tuesday. Uh, we got a lot of Yankee panic among the Bleacher Tweeters. Corey Rucker writes in, if Cole isn't pitching and Judge isn't playing, the Yankees are a bad team. True or false? Depth is bad. And how is Hicks still getting at bats? Cam at Cannon Cam 666 writes in, thoughts on the Yankees? The roster is a mess. And in my opinion, Cashman and the front office are to blame player character uh, and health assessment and trades and free agent signings have been poor. They've needed a bat or two the past few years and he's bargain shopping. What gives Zach Beeson also, uh, you know, similar uh, sentiments there asking if it's time to panic. What do you think? Yeah. So now I understand why I mixed up Andrew DeSalvo with Corey Rucker because I had put Corey's tweet uh, down or, you know, had, had note, noted it at the top. Uh, but it was nice. Andrew DeSalvo sending in those birthday wishes for Sarah uh, Corey, Cam, Zach, look, I, I don't think the Yankees are a bad team without Cole, without Judge, but you definitely feel like how thin the roster is. You know, when you when you take out a couple of big stars like that, I actually had question, uh, conversations with folks over the weekend about, you know, the Yankees spending during the wintertime. It did feel like they had some opportunities, you know, to add some veteran outfielders. You know, a couple of agents told me that, for example, if the Yankees had thrown like an extra million bucks at someone like a Robbie Grossman, who's off to a really good start for the Rangers, you know, why not? Uh, I mean, that, that to me is one place where the Yankees can really flex their financial muscle where you, you know, let's say you give a Robbie Grossman an extra million bucks. And then uh, if he's not playing well early in the year, then you just get rid of him or you, you dump him off to another team or if one of the young players establishes themselves in spring training wins the job, then you just, you know, you ship Robbie Grossman to another team. That felt like an opportunity missed to, to add, you know, a Jake Cave, uh, a Grossman, that sort of thing, just to round out the roster. 
Do you hate to see it, Buster? All these Yankees. Oh, I bet you're heartbroken. So sad. Sorry, everyone. Uh, Jill Seb Schwab writes in, would pitchers consider wearing a glove like quarterbacks to help with gripping the baseball? I know the texture of the balls are different, but it could help in cold or rainy weather. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. Jill, that's interesting. You know, I've actually never seen a pitcher think about that or try that. Um, And yeah, there are quarterbacks who use the glove. That always confused me a little bit. You know, that quarterbacks would feel comfortable doing that, but it tells you a lot about the quality of the gloves, and maybe that is part of the solution. I just don't think pitchers would get, uh, you know, would feel in a moment like that's something that they would do on a regular basis in the way the quarterbacks do. Matt at Kayaking Smith writes in, is this Sean Murphy, the uh, is that the best offseason trade of the winner, especially consider they swapped him with an all-star in Contreras? Yeah. And didn't it feel like they sold low too? Yeah. Like when you think about what they gave up to get a player that good, who is now locked up for years to come, Braves are in a great spot with him. Genius move. Austin LeClaire at Big Red 1044 writes in, what is the downfall of the Pirates? They look unstoppable right now, even though they are playing teams like the Nationals. I don't know if there is a downfall for the Pirates. Now, I do I think they're going to win two thirds of their games the whole year? Of course not. But the context is important. They're in the National League Central. You know, the Cardinals look terrible right now. The Brewers are, uh, are playing better than I think people expected, but it's not like they're a dynamic team. The Cubs are playing better than some people expected. They're not a dynamic team. And, of course, the Cincinnati Reds are not really going to challenge for the top of that division. So I'm not sure that the Pirates are necessarily going to be caught during the course of the season. Reggie at Baseball Yoda Weather writes and Buster with constant injuries that are the same for DeGrom. Should the Rangers bite the bullet on him as a starter since they could get more value long-term using him as a truly dominant closer? Max effort guy in an inning at a time, three to four days a week may hold up more. Reggie, I think you were sitting at uh, our breakfast table on Sunday in Houston because Eduardo Perez has brought up that very idea And my thought to him, my immediate response was, it's right at the beginning of a five-year contract in which they're paying him $35, $40 million a year. I'm not ready to blow up the the idea of him being a, you know, an effective starting pitcher. There's just too much value in having him as a starting pitcher to do that yet. Now, you know, maybe year two, year three, year four, if he keeps having injuries, that's something you think about, kind of like John Smoltz did with the Atlanta Braves. Be good to each other at the legend 22888 writes in. Have the Dodgers given up the effort to reset the CBT due to eating Trevor Bauer's salary? I know, Dolly, that's it stinks, doesn't it, for the Dodgers? So if setting aside the Shohei possibilities, how much sense would Tim Anderson to L.A. make? Yeah, it could make it, uh, uh, you know, and it's interesting because with the White Sox playing so poorly, uh, I can tell you executives of other teams are starting to look over their roster for tradable pieces. I would say this, if the White Sox... Uh, are going to try to contend in 2024. They're going to want Tim Anderson to be a part of that. They have to work out a contract extension. I, I think the Dodgers are actually in a perfect place. They're kind of like right on the fence. And so if the first half doesn't go great, they could cut their payroll a little bit, reset the CBT. Uh, but to your point, at this uh, at this moment, they're still they still have more work to do in terms of cutting their payroll. Michael Preston at McP1979 writes, and is it just me or is the new balance schedule really showing how much of a beast the AL East really is when they aren't feasting on each other? Should this start the discussion about removing divisions and just be AL versus NL for playoff places? Mm, well, Michael, I will co-sign in your first point that it really is showing how good the AL East is. I hear this all the time from baseball executives for all the discussion about, you know, is the AL West getting more competitive? Is the NL East getting more competitive? Year in, year out, the AL East is the best division. <sighs> Lissai. All right. Wayne at Mookie for MVP writes, and Buster, in a few weeks, would you be shocked if the Guardians don't trade Bieber away this season? And do you think St. Louis will be bidding for him? So we were talking about context with the Pirates in the National League Central. I think it's important for context for the Guardians in the American League Central. Who's going to run away with that division? Like the Twins rotations completely banged up. They have all kinds of issues. The Royals have been terrible early in the year. The Tigers have really struggled. The White Sox are a total disaster. It'd be really hard for the Guardians to trade Bieber way in the middle of the season when they have a chance to go back-to-back winning that division. 
Last one for today, Stewie 1969 at the Stoke 1969. I don't normally allow Red Sox praise in the Bleacher Tweet segment, but because he's a friend of the podcast, <laughs> Stewie writes in, can we get a little love for Alex Verdugo and admire his amazing start to the season? We ha- we are having the joy of watching a young player come into his own and recommit himself to making the most of his impressive natural abilities. Yeah, tremendous. And that's, uh, that's why we finished up today's uh, scoreboard segment with Verdugo's home run. We talked uh, during spring training about the condition he's in. Uh, Alex Gore challenging, challenging him at the end of last season uh, to get in better shape has really paid off. All righty. That does it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. We will be back on Wednesday. So keep sending those questions in and maybe fire off some happy birthdays to Sarah Langs. I'm sure she'd love that as she's watching Yankees Guardians today. That's it for today. My thanks to Sarah Langs. Happy birthday, Sarah. Tim, Sarah, Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. And as we walk away today, uh, I want you to hear the sound of Mike Shannon calling Albert Pujols' epic home run in the 2005 playoffs between the Cardinals and the Houston Astros. This was in Minute Maid Park. Give a listen. Albert digs back in, open stance, deep in the box, bends at the uh, knee, pulls it down on the end. League is ready. With two on and two out, the 0-1 pitch. It's coming. Swing and a long one. There it is, baby. The Cardinals take the lead as Albert Pujols comes through in the pit. And the Redbirds lead this baby 5-4. to What'd I tell you, folks? David Eckstein, the man. This could be a crushing blow, a crushing blow to the Houston club. Albert Pujols, you talk about a most valuable player. How is that? Woo! That thing left the ballpark in a hurry. A three-run home run, and the Cardinals lead 5-4.